Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Well, there are some things that happen uh, in the year 2020, which is a leap year. Uh, we have an Olympics, we have a presidential election, and. In the United States, we have a census. Every 10 years, it is mandated by the U.S. Constitution that everyone is counted in the U.S. census. But what happens if you're not counted? What happens to funding for your community, for public transportation, for schools, for determining where roads and highways and streets go? And why are areas... Let's say Clareton, Duquesne, McKeesport, uh, some of the areas in the Mon Valley, why are they prone to not being counted in the U.S. Census? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our guest is Mary Fan Gruber. She's CEO of the Jefferson Regional Foundation. Good morning, Mary Fan. Good morning, Jason. And, and I should point out that uh, we, <laughs> we thought we were taping and we weren't. So Mary Fan has graciously, uh, Mary Fan Gruber has graciously uh, agreed to, to stick around and uh, uh, retape a little bit of, of this for us. Uh, first, first things first, uh, let's talk about about what the Jefferson Regional Foundation is. Uh, maybe people haven't heard of it. It's, I think it's a relatively new organization. Some people may realize that it's kind of an outgrowth of Jefferson Hospital in a way. Correct. So in 2013, Jefferson Hospital had the opportunity to become part of the Allegheny Health Network, mm-hmm. a big move. It was really the first outside suburban hospital to become part of that network and as such had an opportunity to um, really – put some money back into the community. So part of the affiliation agreement was for a fund, a dedicated fund for community grant making to be part of that agreement. So the Jefferson Regional Foundation was born out of that. Um, And since then, we've provided about um, $12 million in grants um, in this area, which is the legacy Jefferson area, and um, have engaged also in some other kinds of community initiatives. But it's not just uh, people think about Jefferson Hospital and it's, you know, what's in the backyard there, Jefferson Hills, Pleasant Hills, West Mifflin, Elizabeth, Clareton. But it's more than that because there was a Homestead Hospital that at one time was part of the Jefferson Hospital system. And and you told me off the air there was St. Joseph's Hospital on the south side of Pittsburgh. So it's sort of the whole curve of that side of Allegheny County, uh, the Mon Valley and, and South Hills area. Absolutely. So we're investing in Homestead and Munhall and Duquesne, okay. uh, Brentwood, Baldwin, Whitehall, um, and really down the whole Route 51 corridor into Elizabeth. Um, and again, the lower Mon Valley, which is a very important area to be connected with. You have something, too, that's called the Jefferson uh, Collaborative. Correct? Jefferson Community Collaborative? Correct. And what is that? So this is a group of organizations who actually have joined together as members, about 90 of those organizations, who serve in this area. So they're both civic and service providers, human service providers, environmental groups, um, economic development groups, libraries, Mm -hmm. some churches, a large number of of organizations who are community-based 
and they feel that they have more power together than apart. Mm-hmm. They, they're interested in improving the community, making change. So there are several meetings that they have a year together. We just had one where we did a lot of speed networking. We had about 100 people there. Wow. Those meetings typically attract 80 to 100 people. And they take on projects together. They've done a big project around mental health first aid training across the community. Almost 1,000 people have been trained. Um, and this year a focus on the census because a recognition that for so many of these organizations, they do rely on federal funding, federal data, and so on that's going to help them provide their services. Traditionally, I'm kind of a a paper person, so I'm used to getting, the last time we got the census, got the forms in the mail, and my wife and I sat down and we filled it out. But I'm hearing now that this year it is mostly going to be an online process. Is that correct? That's correct, and that's a big shift. So in mid-March this year, and Census Day is April 1st, so this is a couple weeks before that, in mid-March what most people will have is in the mail they will get a letter from the Census Bureau that has a code for them to use online. So they will be asked to go online into the Census Bureau portal, enter their code, um, which will then allow them to complete that census form, which is actually very short. Okay. Simply asks about name, age, ethnicity, so on, of the people in your household. Just a, a few questions. They'll be asked to do that online. There will be options for people who don't have access to call in their responses or to ask for a paper survey. But the Census Bureau is very interested this year in um, – having much more of that activity online. This uh, Mary Van Gruper is CEO of the Jefferson Regional Foundation. You can find out more information uh, about them by going to jeffersonrf.org. This strikes me as something that, that has the potential to be alarming. And, you know, a few weeks ago we had State Senator uh, Pam Snyder uh, on here. She's very concerned about rural broadband access. She represents Greene County, parts of Fayette and Washington. And she says, you know, in parts of her district there is no good internet access. They may have dial-up access or not even that in in parts of her district still. Um, The other thing that strikes me is that in in our Mon Valley area, we know that we have an aging in place population. Uh, I believe um, the, the, the McKeesport White Oak District is supposedly one of the oldest congressional districts outside of Miami Dade, Florida. So we have a combination of people who can't get good internet access and a combination of older folks who I don't want to stereotype but a lot of them are uncomfortable or don't like to go online and now we're being we're there being asked that if you want to be counted in the census you have to be online that's that 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 could be alarming and Jason I think those are those are really important barriers to identify another one is simply trust mm-hmm. so people are being asked to trust the government and engage in this process and I think For many people, they're not aware of how important that census data is. Some of us, particularly those who work in nonprofit or government Mm -hmm. sectors, know that we are pulling census data constantly to make decisions about services. Um, Businesses use it to do market Mm -hmm. research. um, And we know that many – the large majority of federal funds are dispersed according to those numbers. So – Getting a fair and accurate count means getting a fair share for our communities, and that's the bottom line concern. There's also, for some communities, there have been real alarms set up around citizenship, sure. um, which is a question that 
by law was not, um, through a lawsuit, um, was deemed not to be part of this census. So it is not on the census. Mm-hmm. But for some people, that still may have set alarms off in their head. To be, to be clear, that. people, you, you, you're not writing your, or, or are you writing your name of the people who live in your house? You are. On, on the census. You but are. that's supposed to be sealed, I think, for 70 years? That's correct. It's sealed for 72 years. Okay. It's, um, it is only aggregated data. Um, for 72 years. What's interesting about it is for many of us who sometimes like to do historical documentation yes. or go back, what we're often researching for our grand to find our grandparents, great-grandparents, yeah. and ancestors is using census data. A lot of people were very excited because the 1940 census data recently became available. And yeah. if you're tracking, you know, grandma and grandpa or great-grandma and grandpa came over at Ellis Island and then they moved here and where did they live after that? And yeah. they're not available to ask anymore. But finally, that census data is available after 72 years, you yeah. said. But still, you know, I, I would think in, in the current political and cultural mm-hmm. climate, if you're an immigrant, whether legal or undocumented, you might be concerned about, I'm going to tell the government how many people live in my house and how old they are. And Exactly. So what we've seen, for example, each county, the Census Bureau actually encourages each county to set up a complete count committee okay. to actually bring together community organizations to that are trusted to encourage people to participate and maybe do extra outreach and identification. So we're part of that countywide effort, too, with, our, again, our, our local focus called Jefferson Counts. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that can we um, engage and provide extra materials, training, even some mini grants to organizations who really can encourage people to participate and address some of those barriers. So some of these organizations are taking out pledge cards where people yeah. can complete those. So, so you, you, you gave me a pledge card here, and it says uh, on the front, I pledge to be counted in the 2020 census because, uh, and, and, and some of the reasons that are listed here in the small type, uh, helps create jobs, helps provide housing and food, helps fund education, prepares for emergencies, builds schools, roads, hospitals, and libraries. Um, those are all – almost no one <laughs> would object to those things, I would hope, right? Right, right exactly. And, and then, then what's on the back here? So we have uh, some of those barriers that are things that, that we want to identify. And one of the things that's important to understand is the amount of funding is pretty incredible. So we've been able to look with some other folks at the state level about the actual amount. And so what we know is that if we miss a family of five mm-hmm. in our area – so let's say grandma lives with us, someone else mm-hmm. – we have a couple kids. That actually is a loss of a hundred thousand dollars over the next ten-year period. Um, so that's pretty big loss yeah. for one household. So that has um, again raised the interest of a lot of municipal leaders and so on because they can see how important those dollars are coming into their local community. It's not a matter of those dollars not coming in. Mm -hmm. It's where do they come in. And where are they allocated to? So it's a fair and accurate count is what we're all seeking. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can learn more about that. JeffersonRF.org slash 2020 census. We have to take a quick 30 second break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the mechanism of how the Jefferson Counts Initiative is reaching out to churches and I believe you call them trusted organizations to to encourage people to become census champions, I think is the term. Um, And let's also talk a little bit later on about uh, some of the other programs, including the Around the Table uh, initiative, which will be coming up later on this year, okay? 
Thank you. Mary Van Gruber is CEO of the Jefferson Regional Foundation, and we're talking about the census and about the Jefferson Regional Foundation. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 412-678-6191. Um, Mary, from growing up in McKeesport, the last three mayors of McKeesport, I think, have complained that they felt that the city was undercounted. We know that most of the communities in the Mon Valley have lost population over the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, so that's a real concern. Uh, as, as we said before the break, if you're allocating money to where to build a school or if you're the school district and you're trying to plan for how many children are we likely to have over the next 10-year period? Where do we need to? Do we need a new elementary school? Do we need a new middle school? Or do we need to close a building and consolidate a building? Um, these are all decisions that are made on census data. Uh, why are we, – we kind of touched on this with, with the Internet uh, discussion, certainly, but why are poorer communities or why are communities that have a lot of immigrants in them, why, why are they prone to being undercounted? So we think some of it has to do with um, – Again, a lack of trust sometimes mm-hmm. in government. It may have a lack of language access. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be that people don't, again, have Internet access that's easily accessible. So there are a lot of things that we hope will be helpful this time in working with organizations um, in our area. Libraries, for example, mm-hmm. have been very important. They have, uh, through the Allegheny County Library Association, Individual libraries in this area have really stepped up. They're offering, um, they've trained their librarians in um, understanding more about the census, in providing that information, in distributing the pledge cards to encourage people to participate, and actually providing some on-site assistance. So organizations that have that training actually can um, perhaps give people access. Um, Most libraries in this Mm -hmm. area have computers Mm -hmm. um, that people could come in and complete those Online, um, it does strike me. If I can interrupt you for a second, sure. it does strike me that that's an extra step in the process. Yes. Yeah. We, we were talking off the air about you know when you got the paper census form. You know, it's a, it's another distraction during the day. Oh, you have to do your taxes. You have to pay the bills. You have to get the kids fed. You have to wash laundry. Whatever. Oh, and now I've got to fill out this dumb form too. That yes. you know, uh, yes. I didn't have to fill this out the last nine years. Now I have to fill out this dumb form. Now, not only do you have to fill out a dumb form, but you have to have the extra step of taking the code that you're mailed in the mail and typing it in on the computer or coming to the library or Mm -hmm. to a church Mm -hmm. or something. Um, What's the message for people? I mean, again, to me, it's obvious you have to be counted. We we need to count you. Yes, every voice matters. Every person counts. And so that's what we're really trying to help people see is that – Even the impacts, as we've talked about dollars Mm -hmm. um, coming into the community, we're talking about data that influences where roads will be built, schools, Mm -hmm. and so on. It's also about um, influencing political districts. So 
Pennsylvania, for example, is um, viewed nationally as a state that is very much at risk of losing more congressional representation. And we can anticipate that less representation means less voices, less power. Um, So we don't want that to happen for Pennsylvania. We want Pennsylvania to be well represented. So that's another reason that every voice counts, that every person matters um, in a count like this. Do you have any information? I know you are with the Jefferson Regional Foundation. You're not with the Census Bureau, and this is a question better asked of them, but do we have any idea of how, what percentage of people they think are missed every year? Um, Allegheny County, fortunately, has had um, a pretty high count, but there are still thousands of people who are not counted. Um, And we're also talking about the Census Bureau um, has been hiring a lot of people in our Mm -hmm. area. In Allegheny County, they've um, done a great job of doing a lot of outreach and are much closer to their goal of hiring folks who will be the people that will eventually, for people who don't respond, um, may receive a knock at their door mm-hmm. um, and may receive somebody who's going to say, we really, really want you to be counted. Um, here's a paper survey, or they will actually come with a tablet to people's door to fill it out. Now, I think most people and municipal leaders have reminded us of this. Most people don't really want someone knocking at their door. <laughs> so so we're encouraging no. people to get this done ahead of time. And that's a lot of time and effort um, that uh, the government will expend to get those counts because they are so very important. But we'd like to see people participate uh, in this way. And there's, you mentioned that there is a suspicion, and I think people, you know, I've even had, I've had uh, Jeff Tomasovic, the, the fire chief on, and the McKeesport Fire Department will give free smoke detectors to people who call and request them. But he says there's even resistance to that because here's this person in a uniform who works for the city showing up at your door, and, you know, you have to let them in your house to put the smoke detector in. And people were like, I don't want the government coming in my house. There's nothing punitive about filling out the census. Absolutely not. And again, the information is safe. It's confidential. It is locked away for 72 years. Census workers actually take a lifetime oath, and they have tremendous fines um, and face um, a lot of... um, jail terms and so on. If <laughs> they, they were to it's, release it's anything, punishment for them, it's not huge punishment, punishment for, for them okay. if they were to violate that. So I think that emphasizes just the importance of them. But what we do know is that the more people hear a message from trusted sources, the more that it has some impact. So we've been working with churches and asking pastors to have that message. You know, the census is in the Bible. We, I was it happens say, everywhere. Mary, Mary and Joseph had to travel yeah. to, to Bethlehem exactly. to be counted in the census. Exactly. Yeah. We, we had some friends out bird um, doing a bird count the other day, and they realized, well, this is a census. It's a census of yeah, birds. It's a bird census. Um, you know, we do counts of homeless people Mm -hmm. in our community at a point in time to understand that. So this is very much in that same vein of how do we kind of make that happen? It's literally in the Constitution of the United States from 1787. There's nothing political about it, but it is about saying, how do we do that? In fact, we know that we've we've, uh, talked to some people who are foreign-born who said, you know, last time I did a census, it was in my home country Mm -hmm. where I came from. So every country Mm -hmm. pretty much does a census. It's it's expected because you need to know 
these this information. Yes. And if you think about 10 years ago, was our community a little different? Yes, it was. Yeah. 10 years from now, could it be different? We really want to capture that. So again, we have a fair and accurate count that we get our fair share locally. Mary Van Gruber is uh, CEO of the Jefferson Regional Foundation. We've been talking about their Jefferson Council Initiative. You can learn more at jeffersonrf.org slash 2020 census. We have a, one more break to take. Time goes very quickly. When we come back, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this around-the-table project that the Jefferson uh, Regional Foundation has been doing and, and how people can get involved with that, okay? You are tuned to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. But you do other things as well, and, and one of them is around the table. Uh, and tell us a little bit about what that is. So this is a great concept, and it's a pretty simple idea. But we all like to talk with other people over a meal. Mm-hmm. And when you think about sitting around a table together with people um, and having a conversation, those are some of the most compelling kinds of conversations you, you that you probably think about you, in your life. You mentioned the census being in the Bible. How many of the things that happen in the Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament revolve around food, revolve around a community exactly. meal? So, okay, go ahead. Exactly, Sorry. exactly. Sorry. So this concept is inviting organizations and people to become hosts to invite 10 or 12 people to a table, offer them a meal. It can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And those can happen at their organization site, at a school, at a work site, um, at someone's home, um, a variety of settings at a church. And people will then have a conversation that we're going to give them some general questions about. We first did this in October 2018. Okay. Um, And part of it was we work with a membership group through the Jefferson Collaborative of 90 local organizations. All of us wanted to reach more deeply into the community and understand what were some of the issues, ideas that people had about their community that we might not be capturing, we might not be listening to carefully. So we used Around the Table South as a way to have, over a period of one week, a lot of different hosts engage people. And what we found is we actually had 100 different tables over the community that week, which engaged 1,026 people. Oh, wow. So we had all of that conversation, all of that input, which was really very positive and answered questions such as, what can we do together ourselves sitting at this table? What are things we can do together to improve the health of our community, to think about ideas that we might have together? You you had, I'm looking at the list of of some of the organizations. There's businesses, there's uh, social services organizations, there's volunteer organizations, there are public health, obviously, organizations, but uh, swath of opinion here. We did, and we found that all kinds of organizations use this as a way to learn something more about their own communities, their own issues. Some of them had very general conversations. Sometimes organizations, for example, we had some of the uh, local libraries um, focus it as part of their planning for how they might better serve their organization. We had some long-term care organizations talk about how they might better serve 
um, older adults around medication issues or falls prevention, and they brought together people who really had some concerns about that. Um, so you can use this tool, this conversation tool, in a wide variety of ways to capture some important information about our community. How, how do you kind of mix them up? I mean, because you don't want all the registered nurses talking over here and all the business owners talking over there. So do you randomize them? or? So the beauty of this is that we recruit hosts. Okay. Um, and again, we're hoping to recruit about 100 hosts again this mm-hmm. time. Um, and the hosts do the inviting. So okay. we encourage them to invite both people they know and perhaps people they don't know as well. So one of the great things a host can do is, do you know five people that you might want to have an interesting conversation with about the community and, and maybe one's, one is the police chief and maybe somebody else is your neighbor and somebody else is a colleague. Um, and then you ask them to each bring a friend or oh, someone sure. they know. And pretty soon you've got a really interesting conversation um, among people, some of whom know each other and some of whom don't. When will this be happening this year? This year it happens from March 18th to okay. March 24th. So coming up, we're coming up on it pretty quick. It's coming up quick. And the exciting part of this is that after we did this originally in October 2018, another group, Leadership Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, which is a very dynamic um, group with a lot of alumni, used the same model to also pilot this in the city. And so this time we're doing it together. So on March 18th, uh, Big Table Pittsburgh will be launching. They do it as a one-day model. We do it for a week. Um, We're going to launch with them on March 18th, and then we're going to continue to do it through March 24th. So people can choose to host a table, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, anytime during that period of time. Do you have your hosts already picked up, or are you still looking for host organizations? We are looking for more hosts. I think we have about 70 or 80 hosts. We are always looking for more. We have a launch um, event. We do a little bit of training. We prepare you. We prepare provide a whole bag of goodies that you can use with your um, table. Is, is there a cost to them? No. Okay. There, there, There is a cost. The cost is actually that the host provides the meal. Okay. And for most people, that's been um, – that has not been a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, so many organizations say, well, I already – do something um, or serve lunch or bring bring people together over breakfast occasionally. So it's been an uh, effective way to do that. And if anybody has a challenge with that, we always work with them. And do they meet at their office or their site or they can meet at Eaton Park or King's or something? Any place they choose. Absolutely. Okay. We've had groups meet at Panera's. We've had groups meet at churches, mm-hmm. um, just a wide variety of libraries, whatever site they might choose. So, so March 18th, the week of March 18th is coming up. Uh, so as people are hearing this, it's less than a month away. If, if they were interested in participating either as either attending one of these in, their, in, in the area or hosting one of these, how do they contact you? So they can go online to aroundthetablesouth.org. Okay. They can also go to jeffersonrf.org, and they will find a link to that information. And they can always call us, um, 412-276-6770, and they can reach us um, also by phone and just ask about being a host. It's a very easy process to sign up, to be engaged. We will encourage you. We'll give you all the materials and support that you need. Um, and the guidance. And what we find is that as we produced a report from the last time is that people were inspired by this. They felt more informed. They learned things from their neighbors, from other people at the table they didn't know. 
they gained some new perspectives, um, and people were inspired. They said, wow, sometimes I think I might be the only one feeling this way or the only one who's who's thinking about my community. And when you start to have that conversation, and sometimes they were very deep conversations with other people, surprising what you can do in an hour, hour and a half, um, people walked away feeling um, empowered to do things. We actually have about a dozen mini grants that we funded for projects, small projects. Some of which that came out of these conversations. That came directly out of the conversations. Exactly. And, and, and do you give them topics to discuss, a list of topic areas or suggestions? This year we are. Last time it was a very open conversation. Mm-hmm. We had eight themes that emerged from the first um, process. So we're going to start with those, and hosts can pick from any one of those that they might choose to focus okay. on. Okay. And then do they report back? To you? They do. So okay. we, we have a very simple survey process. Hosts do that online. Guests can do that right at the table. And um, But it's a great way for us to get some feedback from the community. And that's any of those communities from Clareton down to Finleyville or from actually from Homestead, Munhall, West Homestead, and the south side of Pittsburgh, down to Finleyville. Absolutely. Um, and over to Brentwood, Baldwin, that's sort of Route 51, Mon Valley corridor. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And since we're participating with Big Table Pittsburgh, it's a great way to say we're doing this across the entire county. So that's AroundTheTableSouth.org, or you can call 412-267-6770. Let's circle back in the last uh, 60 seconds or so about the census counts. If somebody wants to become a census champion and they're interested in, hey, I want to take this back to my club or organization or my business and make sure that everyone, hey, make sure you're doing your census form uh, come March. Uh, how do they reach out to you? Same thing? Same thing. They can call us. They can go online, jeffersonrf.org. We have census information you can download. There's there's slides that they can use, posters. Can they get, can they get posters. these cool postcard Absolutely. Cards? We have pledge cards. We've distributed um, several thousand of those. We are looking for people to spread the word. Okay. Uh, Mary Fan Gruber is CEO of the Jefferson Regional Foundation. They are trying to make sure that every part of the Mon Valley and South Hills are counted in the 2020 census. Thank you so much for taking some time to come in and talk with us. Thank you, Jason. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.